You're listening to a presentation of The Rising. We're a real church for real people where you can belong before you believe. We're always honored to hear how God is working in your life through this ministry. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, hit us up at wearetherising.com or on Facebook or Instagram. Finally, if you'd like to invest in what God's doing through this church, you can always give online through our site. Thanks again for tuning in and get ready. Lean forward with an expectant attitude to hear a message from God's Word. Man, that's a good song. I like it. I'm glad we introduced it. Y'all glad we introduced that song? They said, sing us some more. We might. We might in the weeks to come. Well, we're closing up this series called Instimacy. And uh, in this series, we've been in this journey trying to figure out how to have real friendships in an Instagram world. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with Instagram. There's nothing wrong with Facebook. We love those mediums. Our church uses them. I, I use them. They're, they're great platforms to use. But because of social media, uh, what can often happen in our life is we buy into intimacy, not intimacy. See, intimacy is the act of knowing and being known, whereas intimacy is more like um, knowing about people and having people know about us. This isn't what we want. See, intimacy is this digital world that's filled with likes, hearts, emojis, fans, followers, and false friends. And, and this isn't what we need in life. What we need in life is to know other people and to be known by other people. And, and social media has done this unique thing for each of us in that social media, even though it's a digital world, it bleeds into our real world and it does something in our life. So that if I post something for the world to see and people press their thumb to a like icon and like what I post, it does something in me. Like it stirs something in my heart. It makes me feel good about myself. It makes me feel known and seen, but it's all false. I mean, I like to be liked. And that's often why I do what I do, because I just want to be liked. I don't know about you, but, but I feel like if you got to know me well enough, you'd like me, right? I mean, you got some haters, and you just want to just, just let them know, hey, if you really got to know me, you find out I'm not that bad of a person. Sometimes I live my life wanting to be liked by other people. And I started doing some research to figure out how I can be liked more, especially when it comes to Instagram. And um, if, if you want to get more likes on Instagram, and, and I know that the terminology I'm using isn't like Instagram terminology, because on Instagram you get hearts and, and love and stuff like that from people. So, but I'll just talk about being liked. If you want to get more likes on Instagram, what I found is um, if you put a filter on your photo, you're guaranteed to get more likes. Like I started, I started researching to try and find out what are some of the most like filters that I can use to get more likes on Instagram. And, and, and here's what I found. The number one filter to use if you want more likes on Instagram is Claridon. And so the way this works is if you just take a standard picture and, and you post it, you'll get a certain amount of likes. But when you use Claridon, uh, the likes are guaranteed to come in. Look at that. Guaranteed. Likes just flowing in when you use that. The, the second most used filter is gingham. And so if you take a standard picture, uh, this is what you get. But when you apply the gingham filter, likes, again, are just guaranteed to come in. Isn't that beautiful? The filter I'm talking about. So when you, when you put the filter on, you get more likes. And what I found fascinating, though, is that these filters are good for certain scenarios. And so, for instance, if, if you want to um, get more likes when it comes to food pictures, what you use is a skyline filter. And so later today, if you go out to lunch and you take a picture of your lunch, it might, it might look like this. But when you apply the skyline filter, it'll actually uh, come out looking like this. <laughs> All right? That's just how filters work. 
You get more likes with that. And, and then there's also a filter to use if you're, if you're going for fashion, right? This is the number one used filter for fashion. So if you take a standard picture when it comes to fashion, you know, you may look like this. But when you apply the Kelvin filter, you end up looking um, like a rock star with a full beard, right? This is just how it works. That's our worship leader, Andrew. So you want more likes, use filters. And this is so true, not just on Instagram, but it's also true in our life. Right? Like, if I want to be liked by people, then I need to put up a filter. I need to smile more. I need to be happier. I need to respond and act a certain way if I want people to, to, to like me. And I can do that. I can put up a facade. And people do this sometimes when they come to church. They put their church face on. And everything is great. And praise the Lord. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. We put on filters. We put on facades. We go to work and we and we live through a filter. We at our house we live through a filter. In our posts we live through a filter because we just want more likes. I just want to be liked. And listen, there's nothing wrong with being liked, but that's not what we need. What we need is to be known. And the only way for us to be known, the only way for us to know other people, is by being vulnerable. This is the secret sauce to get what we really long for in life and in friendships. It's to be vulnerable. And I find it fascinating. The, the word vulnerable comes from the Latin word vulnerare. And, and the word vulnerare means this. It, it literally means to wound. To wound. And so the question is, why would I want to be vulnerable with somebody if it means that they can wound me? Because that's what being vulnerable is. Being vulnerable is saying, here's all the stuff in my life. Here's all the stuff that I've shoved in the shadows. Here's all the stuff that I keep away from everyone. Here's the stuff I don't want anyone to see. Here's the ammunition against me. Being vulnerable is like handing someone a loaded gun and saying, please don't shoot me. You have everything you need that could take me out. You know all my faults, flaws, failures, and weaknesses. You got all the dirt on me. Please don't shoot me. When I'm vulnerable with people, they have the power to wound me. And this is why it's so hard to be vulnerable with people. Because I don't know if I want you to know that. Because what if I tell you the thing that I'm ashamed of, will you be ashamed of me? If I share with you my regrets, will you regret being my friend? Will you, if I share what's in the shadows of my life, will you still love me and accept me and be there for you, or for, for, for me? Or will you turn on me and hurt me We've all been hurt before. We've all been close to people. We've all opened up with people. We've had them stab us in the back. We've had them turn their back on us. We've had them abandon us. And so when I'm vulnerable, it's scary because it means you can wound me. You can hurt me. But it also means you can heal me. See, when I'm vulnerable with you, it means that you have the power to help me heal because I don't have to carry this alone anymore. I don't have to shove this in the shadows and, and wonder what if people find out, what if people figure this out. But no, instead I can be open and real and it's like this breath of fresh air. It's like this weight that's, that's unloaded from my shoulders when I'm vulnerable. And this is what we need. This is what we long for. The reason why we have panic attacks, why we break down with anxiety, the reason why we carry depression with us, the reason why our lives are so broken like they are is because we're carrying what we're carrying with no one to be vulnerable with. See, all of us, all of us, all of us, each and every one of us needs some Proverbs 18.24 friends. Here's what Proverbs 18.24 says. It says, there are friends who destroy each other. We don't need friends like that. But a real friend sticks closer than a brother. 
See, you and I, we need some friends who are going to stick closer to a brother when we share with them our weaknesses, our faults, our flaws, our failures. We need some people in our life. And it's not everybody. But we need a select few whom we can go to and share our regrets with, share our worries with, share our fears with. We need people we can go to and talk about when we feel small. you felt this before, haven't you? Like this, this feeling of smallness. What that is is shame. We need people that we can go to and share our shame with so that we don't carry it ourselves. you, you felt this. You know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to shame. We need people we can go to when, when our mom says a comment about our parenting and we emotionally go to everything she did wrong when we were a kid and we just want to unload on her. Have you felt that? It's in those moments that you need to go to someone who is close to you, someone you've, you've trusted, someone you're vulnerable with, and say, this is what happened, and I unloaded. Or she said this again, and, and I stopped myself, but I need to share this with you because I felt so small. I felt so ashamed. It's when your boss or teacher corrects you, and, and they actually did it in a healthy way, but you associate being corrected with not being good enough, and inadequacy, insecurity, and defense rises up in you. You need someone you can share that with, to talk, to talk through that with. It's when you look at the money coming in and the bills that are due, and they don't line up. There's a shortage. And instead of thinking, oh, well, this is a challenge, you begin thinking, what kind of a man am I? It's when you keep dating, but you won't commit because you don't want to become your parents. It's when you say, not this time. I won't let this get me anymore. I'm stronger than this. But then you get drunk again, or you eat how you're feeling again, or you go back to those sites again, and you feel defeated, worthless, and helpless. You need some people in those moments where you can go to them, and they can remind you that what you did is not who you are, but you can overcome. You are stronger. It's when you mess up again as a parent and you know, not think, you know, because they're stuck with me, my kids are screwed. It's when you deal with your ex-spouse and she says that one thing that makes you feel like she owns you. You feel small, you feel shame, and it's in these moments that we need Proverbs 18, 24 kind of friends, people who stick closer than a brother people we can confide in, people we can be open with and real with. It's when we carry this on our own that it kills us. See, so many of us, here's, here's what I'm finding over and over again as I talk with people, so many of us are lacking these Proverbs 18, 24 kind of friends. And listen, I can't be that for you. I mean, I want to be, but I cannot be that friend for you. I can be your pastor, and I can listen to you, and I can pray with you, and I can help you and guide you, but I cannot be your Proverbs 18:24 kind of friend because I can't be everybody's friend. <laughs> I don't have that capacity. So when people come to me and they share what's going on in their life, I want to hear it and I want to listen and it breaks my heart sometimes. And I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for peace and patience. I want to pray that God would give you strength, that God would give you victory. But you need somebody, you need some people, ladies, you need some ladies you can go to. Guys, you need some guys you can go to and say, here's what's going on in my life. Guys, don't go to ladies, ladies, don't go to guys, that's how affairs happen. But you go to people and you say, here's what's going on in my life. And they're there for you. And what I'm finding over and over again, as I talk with people, I ask people, who's your crew? 
Who's, who's in your inner circle? Who can you go to to share this with? And what I'm finding over and over again is people are like, I don't really know. I don't have that. We need this. We need Proverbs 18, 24 kind of friends. And here's the thing. Because we don't have it, it's killing us. Like, it is literally killing us. You, you, you know the stats on obesity, and, we, and, and we've heard about obesity and how obesity leads to premature death. And, and, and most of us wouldn't argue that. And we said, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And, and probably said it in an extreme way. We would say obesity kills. But, but listen to this. Researchers have found that loneliness isolation and living alone actually contributes to you dying prematurely by 30%. Loneliness, isolation, and living alone, researchers have found in over 70 different studies, contributes to premature death at a greater rate than obesity does. Did you hear what I just said? Let me rewind it and say it again. <laughs> living alone, in isolation, being lonely contributes to premature death at a greater rate than obesity does. So here's what that means. It is actually healthier for you to be obese with a crew than to be fit and alone. Translation, if you have time today after the worship experience, you have a choice to go on a run by yourself or to go out with friends for beer and wings, the healthier option for you to do is to go out with friends for beer. Who's down? Let's go. Who wants to join me at Buffalo Wild Wings? Come on, somebody. You pay for yourself. Um, no, but, but actually, uh, so my wife and I, uh, our family, we're going to Buffalo Wild Wings after the worship experience. And if you're here for the first time, you've been coming for the past several weeks or, or maybe the past several months, and you hadn't, uh, I hadn't had a chance to meet you, I would love for you to join us at Buffalo Wild Wings. We're doing this once a month where our family's going to go out, and we'd love to meet you and your family. We'd love to connect you with some other people. We'd love to hear your story, and we'd love to hopefully help you get connected with a crew of people. So if you want to join us for lunch after the worship experience, I'll be outside. You just come up to me, say, hey, I'm coming to B-dubs with you. And uh, again, you pay for yourself. But we'd love to meet you and, and connect with you because um, you're doing this for your health and you're warding off death. So... Um, but intimacy, 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 the act of knowing and being known is what we need and it's what we long for, not, not intimacy. But, but we got to be careful when it comes to intimacy because we can't be intimate with everybody. We can't be vulnerable with everybody. And who we choose to be our friends matters. Here's what the proverb writer says, Proverbs 3.20, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Pastor Andy Stanley of North Point Community Church says this, your friends will always determine the direction and quality of your life. Your friends will always determine the direction and quality of your life. And you know this is true because there was that day, that time when you didn't use a skateboard, but then you hung out with those friends who skateboarded and you started skateboarding. Why? Because you were surrounded with people who did that. There was a time where, where you never worked out. Like for you, working out was lifting the Bud Light to your lips. Like that was it. You're like, this is my form of workout. But then your coworkers were going to CrossFit and you started joining them at CrossFit and now you feel like you're a fitness expert, right? Our, our friends influence us. Uh, it, it's a time where you started hanging out with those friends and they really love that one band. And so you started listening to that band, but now you're not friends with them anymore and you listen to that band now and you're like, who could ever love this band? You did. Because you hung out with those friends. See, our friends influence the direction of our life, right? I mean, think back on your life. Some of your biggest regrets 
come from things you did with your friends. And you never would have done it before, except for those friends. I went to a Cindy Lauper concert one time because my friends went. I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world, but I went because they went. Some of our greatest memories come from times with our friends. Our friends influence the direction of our life. The truth is this. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Who we hang out with, who we spend time with, who we allow to invest in us matters. And teenagers, this is why your parents always want to know who you're hanging out with. Because your parents think back to when they were teenagers and they did some dumb stuff because of the people they hung out with. And they don't want you to do that same thing. And parents, this is why it's so important to have your teenagers involved in church. And I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm talking about being involved in church. That's why it's important for you as parents to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This will be a priority. Church it won't be an option for us. It won't be something we go to if we get time. But we're going to go because I want you to get surrounded with some people. And teenagers, I don't want you to just come to church. I want you to be involved. I want you to serve. I want you to lean forward and take notes. I want you to meet some people who are going to help direct the direction of your life. Hey, and this is why, too, adults, if you have a passion for teens, I was looking at our church, and one of the gaps that we have is a lack of a student ministry. I was a student ministry pastor for seven years before I launched this church, and uh, so I gave my life to investing in and building in students, and I know just how important it is for teenagers to have a crew, to have a circle. And I was looking, and I said, you know, we don't really have that here in this church, the, the reason really is, is lack of leadership, lack of great leaders who are willing to step up and say, I'm going to invest in some teenagers. I'm, I, I have a passion for teenagers. I want to invest in them, and I want to care for them. So listen, if you're passionate about teens, if you're ready to invest in some teenagers, I want to invite you to stop by the black tables. Let them know, hey, he said something about student ministry. I'd love to see what can we do. Maybe we can get a student ministry off the ground just from an announcement today. So listen, if you're excited, if you're passionate, you want to invest in some teenagers, stop by the black tables, let them know. If you're weird, don't do that. But um, my, wife, my wife says, um, I, after the worship experience sometimes, my wife, we have a debrief, and she said, you shouldn't have said that. That's one of the things I shouldn't have said. Um, <laughs> so she'll probably tell me, you should, I know, I know, honey. Sometimes I just say stuff. And, uh, but if you're passionate, stop by, let them know. Man, we want to get you involved. Because who we surround ourselves with matters. Here's something Jesus said during his ministry, John 8, 36. So if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. People ask me, what do my tattoos mean on my arms? That's, that's what it says in, in Chinese. So if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. People ask me, do you speak Chinese? I said, no, I just thought it looked cool. That's why I got them. But it's a reminder for me that Jesus has set me free. And I'm free indeed. Because I don't know about you, but there's times where I don't live free. There's times I still live in bondage. There's times I still live in fear. There's times I still live with worry. But Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And Jesus came to set us free in life. And the way that he ultimately did this was by taking our sin on himself on the cross. Jesus sets us free from our sin, our shame, our regret. When Jesus went to the cross, he took your sin on himself so that when he died, it died with him. Jesus has set you free through his sacrifice on the cross. And if you've never made the decision 
to accept the sacrifice Jesus made for you, to live in that freedom by believing that Jesus died for you on the cross, by believing so much that it prompts you to follow him, to live for him, to make him not only the savior of your soul, but the leader of your life, and making the decision to be baptized into him, entering into a relationship with him. If you've never made the decision to believe, follow, and be immersed into Jesus, that decision is yours to make today. You can make that decision today before you leave. When you came in, there was a note card on your chair. At the bottom of that note card is a connect card. On that connect card, there's a box that says, I wanna know more about baptism. If you've never made the decision to believe, follow, and be immersed in Jesus, would you mark that box, drop it off at the black tables? We wanna to talk to you about making that decision and continuing your relationship with Jesus because he came so that you might be free. And when I'm done talking up here, we're gonna observe communion. And this is a reminder for us that Jesus set us free on the cross. What's gonna happen is people are gonna come down the aisles, they're gonna pass out trays, and in those trays are stacks of cups. I wanna invite you to take a stack. There's a piece of bread and some juice there. The bread reminds us of Jesus' body that was broken for us. The juice reminds us of his blood that was shed for us. And we observe communion as a reminder that Jesus came to set us free. So Jesus ultimately sets us free from sin. What that means is you don't have to go back to that addiction anymore. You don't have to continue to live in the rut that you've been living in. You don't have to live that way. You've been set free. You don't have to put the chains of slavery back on. You've been set free. I wonder how many of us today need to unshackle the chains and begin living free, living in the truth that Jesus set us free. You don't have to live that way. So Jesus came to set us free from sin, but he also came to set us free from worry and guilt, a mindset of negativity, a feeling of inadequacy. You don't have to live that way. And one of the tools that Jesus gives us is true friendship. But in order for us to have true friendship so we can continue to live in that freedom, it means that we have to be vulnerable, which is difficult. But Jesus, uh, this is why I love Jesus so much, is because he gives us a model on how to actually live this out, on how to do this. We see in Jesus' life, because Jesus is vulnerable with some people, he's not vulnerable with everybody, but even Jesus, the Son of God, knew he needed some true friendships on whom he could rely on. And so I wanna, I wanna show you the model that Jesus gives us when it comes to how he set up his life. And we gotta pay attention to this because if it was important for Jesus to set up his life this way, I want to learn from the master, so I need to set up my life this way. So, here's what, here's what Jesus does. I want to draw this out for you so you can see it. So Jesus models his life this way. He sets it up this way. Matthew 4, 25. It says, large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. And then Mark 3, 7. Jesus went out to the lake with his disciples and a large crowd followed him. Here's what we see with Jesus, that Jesus has a crowd. And you actually have this on your chair if you want to take it out and fill this in. Uh, this outer circle is a crowd. Jesus has a crowd that's following him. And in this crowd are disciples. Now these disciples aren't the 12 disciples of Jesus that we're gonna find out about in a little bit, but these disciples are people who wanna learn from Jesus. 
So he has some fans. He has some followers who are, who are staying on the fringes, and um, they're kind of committed to Jesus, and they're following him around. So, so Jesus has the crowd. And then we see this. He has the 12 disciples. And, and when, we, when we think about the 12 disciples, these are the people, D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E. These are the people that Jesus handpicks to follow him more closely. Mark 3.13, it says, Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. These are the 12 he chose. Simon, whom he named Peter, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed Sons of Thunder. That's a nickname. Sons of Thunder. Andrew, Phil, these other people don't get nicknames. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus had the crowds, but then he narrowed it down to the disciples. And when he picked the disciples, this is a group of people that he's going to be more vulnerable with. These are people he's going to pour into and teach and invest in. But here's what I want you to see. One of his disciples betrayed him. He, he, he brings these 12 guys in from the crowd, and he says, I want to get closer to you. I want to share more with you. I want to open myself up more to you. And Jesus does this knowing there's a potential betrayal, knowing he could be hurt. But he does this because he needs it. The, the Son of God can't just interact with the crowds. He needs people he's investing in. He needs people he's being vulnerable with and open with, even if it means betrayal, even if it means hurt and pain. And when Jesus picks the 12, I find it so fascinating how he does it. It's a schoolyard pick. It's like Jesus is playing kickball. I mean, in Mark 3.13, afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain, called the ones he wanted to go with him. So, so the scene is this. Jesus is up on this mountain. There's a crowd of people there. And he says, okay, you, eh, eh, you, you, mm, no, you, you. He picks the 12 that he wants to have follow. He's very selective. And then when he's done, when he gets to 12, he says, okay, you, the rest of you can go. And that's it. Now, if I was there in the crowd when Jesus was picking that day and he didn't pick me, I would have gone up to Jesus afterwards. And I would say, hey, Jesus, I think you forgot somebody. Because I want to live my life for you. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And listen, I know why you didn't pick me. It's because I was standing next to Ezekiel and we all knew you weren't going to pick him. And you didn't want to make him feel bad. But hey, he's not here now, so I'm here. And so I'm willing to follow you. Let's make this 12, 13. You know what Jesus would have said to me? No. And he would have walked off. Jesus handpicked the 12 who were going to be his disciples. And he said, come on, let's go. And he walked off. And if I wasn't picked, what I do is up to me. How I respond is up to me. See, whatever I do as a result of that is a reflection not of Jesus, but of me. Well, why did Jesus do that? Is he arrogant? Maybe. Or maybe he just knew something about friendships that we don't. See, if I wasn't picked and I responded, um, 
See, see, I could respond in a negative way. I could respond in a cynical way. I could respond, what's wrong with him? He thinks he's good. I could make a post on social media. Well, some rabbis think they're better than everybody else. And you know what? That's fine. I'll just go follow on. I could do that. But if I did that, that would be an indication all the more as to why he didn't pick me in the first place. How you respond when things don't go your way matters. See, Jesus, Jesus picked a 12 that he was going to be vulnerable with. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on even further to get a three. So Jesus has the crowds. He has the disciples that he handpicks. And then he picks three from the disciples to be his inner circle. These are his boys. These are the ones with whom they're, they're going to see Jesus in his greatest moments. They're going to see Jesus in his worst moments. These are the people that Jesus says, I'm an open book. Here's everything. And there's this one instance where it's a night that Jesus is going to be betrayed. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be crucified on the cross the next day. And he takes all of his disciples to the Mount of Olives. And here's what's recorded for us in Mark 14, 32. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. But hold on, hold on. Not, not you. Peter, Peter James, John, you, you, you come with me. And he became deeply troubled and distressed, and he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. See, the truth is, Jesus loved everyone, but it doesn't mean everybody had access to him. Jesus came to be the servant of everyone, but he could only actually serve just a few. Jesus came to teach everyone, but he only poured into a few. And this is the way that Jesus modeled his life. He had the crowd, the disciples, and then his crew, his, his inner three, his circle. And I wonder, as you, as you look at this model, how would you fill this out? Who's in your crowd? You gotta identify this, you gotta know this. So for me, my crowd is, is our church. My, my crowd is, is Patriots fans, come on. My crowd is people, people at the gym that I know. See, my crowd, are the people that I have things in common with. And I may know them, I may not know them, but who's in your crowd? Who, who are the people you identify with? Who's the larger tribe you're a part of? So you gotta know who your crowd is. And then you gotta identify who are your disciples. These, these are the people you're pouring into, the people you're investing in, the people you're showing more vulnerability with. For, for me, it's our staff. For me, it's, uh, it's the groups that I lead. These are my disciples. These are the people I'm pouring into and investing in even more. And so on stage, you see a side of me. You see me being vulnerable, and I want to be open. I don't want to uh, hide anything. Um, what you see is what you get with me. And, and I find it fascinating. Sometimes people are unimpressed with me. Um, I'm not a very impressive guy. But sometimes when people see me on stage, there's this, like, this mindset of like, I'm a rock star, super, I'm not. I'm just a regular guy just like you. And I don't have it all together. And, and what blows me away is sometimes people get to know me and they're like, oh, you're not perfect. Y yeah, <laughs> exactly, I'm not perfect. And it's almost like they're let down. But I, I, I just share who I am with you. But, but then, but then for me, there's, there's people that I share even more with. And then, and then there's the inner three. And it's not like a literal three. I'm not saying you've got to have 
exactly three people that, that you're vulnerable with and open with. But, but this is a, a level of relationship where, where you're close and you're connected with people who know you inside and out. And as I was thinking about this sermon, and I knew I was going to be preaching on this, um, I heard my coach talking about this. And when I heard him talking about it and about his three and how he has these guys that he connects with, um, I got really sad because I realized I didn't have that. Like, I didn't have a three. And so I started thinking through, who's going to be my three? And as I thought through not having a three, I I, I was just thinking through, how does this this make me feel? And as I was prepping for this, and and I realized I didn't have a crew like this, um, I felt isolated. I felt lonely. Because leadership is lonely at times. And I realized that, that there was this weight, this burden that I was carrying all by myself. And I realized I, I, need, I need a crew, I need some guys who are gonna sit closer than a brother that I can share my life with. And I didn't have that. I felt desperate. I felt like I, I had to handle everything in my life on my own. And I did have to handle it on my own because I didn't have a crew. I felt hypocritical because I knew I was going to stand up here and I was going to say, who's in your crew? Who's your three? You got to have three. All the while knowing, like, I didn't have that. And so I can't preach to people what I'm not doing. So I felt hypocritical. And so I realized I, I needed to take action. I needed to invite some people into my circle. And, and I'll tell you why I didn't do it sooner. Um, it's because I was afraid. It's because I was afraid. What if I open myself up to some people and they can't see past pastor? And they can't see me for who I really am. What if, what if the things I'm ashamed of make them ashamed of me? What if I'm hurt? What if there's pain? What if, what if, what if? Again, being vulnerable is like handing someone a loaded gun with all the ammunition against you and saying, please don't shoot me. But I need to give this to you because this is the only way that I can find healing and wholeness. So the reason why I didn't do it sooner is I was afraid. I also just wasn't intentional about it. I didn't take the time to sit down and think through it. Who's in my crew? I knew I needed a crew, but I just didn't take the time to sit and think through it. So what I did as I was preparing for this sermon is um, I reached out to some guys uh, that I know, and I, and I told him about this concept, and I said, will you be in my crew? Will you be my inner three? And, um, you know, it's not like this thing where we're going to meet up once a week and talk about our dirty secrets. It's not like some, some scheduled thing, but just reaching out to them knowing, like, here's some guys who have my back just made me feel freer. It just made me feel freer. And so I want to ask you this morning, who's in your crew? Who's in this circle right here? And it can't be your family. I mean, your family is, is different because you got to protect your kids from some stuff. There's some stuff you probably don't need to be telling your wife because she doesn't need to carry that burden. But if you're a guy, you need some guys who are going to walk alongside you 
and carry that with you. If you're a lady, you need some ladies who are going to be there for you. Not so you can gossip to, but so you can say, here's what's going on in my life. And they can support you and give you strength and accountability. Who's in your crew? Who's in your crew? I want you to take a moment and look at that sheet that we gave you. I want you to identify who's your crowd. Who are your disciples that you're investing in? Because you are investing in some people, aren't you? Because you got some stuff other people need. You got some stuff that if you, if you get around some other people, they'll get better because of you. It's true. Who are your disciples? Who's your crowd? But then I want to ask you, who, who's in your three? If you have those names, consider yourself blessed. Write them down. And make sure you let those people know, hey, you're, you're in my crew. If you don't have those names, I wanna, I wanna ask you right now, would you write their, those names down? Who could be in your crew? Who, who's the one person, who are the two people, the three or four people who you need to have in your crew? Who are the people that you can say, here's a loaded gun with all the ammunition that could take me out? Here's all the dirt, the pain, the regret, the hurt. Not just past stuff, well, I used to, but current stuff. Here's what's happening in my life here and now. Here it is, please don't shoot me. Who are the two or three people who need to be in your crew? Who are the people who are gonna help you and see you and love you? Who are the people you can cry with in tough times and they won't say a word to try and fix you because that's not what you need? You just need somebody to listen. Who are the people that you can call up and say, I need to go out for a beer today because my week was crap, and they'll drop everything and go out with you? Who are the people in your life who can help you see things from an eternal perspective? And so, yeah, your, your, your week may have sucked, but life is a vapor, and in the grand scheme of eternity, this won't matter. So come on, get up. Let's keep walking. Who are the people you can go to who are gonna help you that way? Who are the guys in your life who are gonna ask you questions like, how are you talking to your wife and kids? How's your attitude toward them? Who are the guys in your life who are gonna be able to ask you, when's the last time you looked at a naked woman who wasn't your wife? Who are the guys in your life who are gonna ask you the question, so what are you gonna do to stop drinking? Because you've said it's a problem. So what's the plan? Who are the guys in your life who are gonna ask you, when do you think you're gonna finally forgive your dad? Who do you have in your life who's walking with you, leading you, guiding you, helping you, listening to you, accepting you, and loving you? If you don't have that, it's time to have it. It's time to write it down. It's time to get free. And I want to tell you, as you consider adding people to your crew, there's some criteria you need. First, they need to be Christians. They need to be Christians who are running toward Jesus because you need them to spur you on toward Jesus. I love it that you got some people who aren't Christians that you can talk with, but the people you need in your crew are going to be people who are going to make you better because of that. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. They need to be people who honor you, who treat you with respect, 
and who love you, but they love you enough to say the hard things to you. They love you enough to not hold back the 5%, but when they share the last 5% with you, they say it in a way that's hearable, that's gonna spur you on to change. Who's in your crew? Hey, I don't want you to leave today without writing it down, because that's what I did for a long time. I knew I needed to do something, but it wasn't until I sat down and wrote it down and finally reached out to people that I started feeling more free. Who's in your crew? Because here's the thing, there, there's something in your soul that knows you need community. And what's best is when you're a part of a community like this that has an eternal mission that saves people from their sins and gives people eternal life forever. When you're part of a community like this, it'll change your life and it'll change the world forever. You know, it's trendy now for people to say they don't need church. And I don't, I don't need church because of the preaching. I mean, my hope is that my preaching helps you and encourages you and helps you live better. But you can listen to better preachers than me. You can go online and listen to Pastor Stephen Furtick, Bishop T.D. Jakes, Andy Stanley, Jim Bergen, anybody. There's way better preachers than me. The reason why I need the church is for the community that's here. The reason why I need this on Sunday morning is for community. And church is more than just Sunday morning. Church is relationships. Church is the people who you can call who are gonna help you move. Church is the people who when you're in the hospital, they're gonna come visit you. Church is the people who when you're going through difficult times, you found your crew and they're there for you. This is what the church is. This is why I need the church. And that's why I gotta show up on Sundays so I can be with the community. I can't not be with the community and then complain that I feel lonely and isolated. And listen, if you have community, if you have friends, if you found your crew, then consider yourself blessed. But if you don't have that, I wanna let you know you've stumbled into a place where this community can be that for you. You're in the right place at the right time and you found all you've been longing for here. And we wanna surround you with love and acceptance and let you know that God loves you for who you are and not as you should be, because none of us are as we should be. So we're in this messy community together, figuring out how to become more like Jesus and shine his light into the world. Write down who's gonna be in your crew. If you have those names, thank them for being in your crew. If you need to reach out to people and invite them to be part of your crew, do that today, because that's where you'll find freedom. Thanks so much for listening. We pray God inspires, challenges, and motivates you to become greater through what you've just heard. Again, be sure to check us out at wearetherising.com. Remember, your best days are still ahead.